captivating landscapes, flawless tobaccos, elegant presentation. Introducing Pure Origin. At JR Cigar, our innovative team is on a journey for unrivaled flavors and enriching experiences. Along that path, we discovered new, distinctive, and groundbreaking tobaccos from the furthest reaches of the earth and are bringing them right to your home. The intentions are pure, the process is pure, the origin is pure. JR Pure Origin. Smoke Night Live is brought to you in part by Espinosa Premium Cigars. Amp up your daily smoke with Espinosa Premium Cigars' signature Nicaraguan character. Whether you're a Maduro maniac, a Habano junkie, or simply looking to dial your flavor intensity to 11, smoke Espinosa every day. Boom, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 397 of Smoke Night Live. It's Friday night. It's Friday night, Herf. We're hanging out. Scotty, having some fun. How's it going over there, my friend? Oh, dude, going great. Friday night. It's time to roll, man. Smoking cigars, drinking some whiskey, and we're going to talk whiskey. This your, is amazing. Your head is especially shiny tonight. I waxed well, it double tonight <laughs> just to make sure it was extra polished yeah. just for you, Eric. I know how Thank you love you. it. Thank you. Hey, guys, if you're joining us uh, right now, before we get into the guts of the show, please like and share the show. Uh, that really means a lot to us. In fact, right now, just share it to your Facebook timeline. Why say no when it feels so Do good it. to say yes, right, Jordan? Come on, guys, share it. Jordan, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Excellent. I'm so psyched. You ready to go? Look You're pumped? This. Look at the smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, uh, sitting next to me, none other than Eric Jett, Distillery 291. Eric, welcome to Smoke My Live, my friend. Thanks for having me. Are Happy you ready to, to talk some cigars and whiskey tonight? Always. Oh, man. this this. <gasps> you know what's fun? Is we've had um, we've had Christopher Hart on the show, you know, whiskey neat Christopher Hart, great guy. We've had the Bourbon Junkies. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you know Lenny Eckstein from Lenny. Uh, from Deer Hammer. Yep. We've had him on the show, and tonight, boom! In this, you know, every now and then we like to like kind of veer off from the cigar talk and talk some bourbon because, as most folks know that are watching, we're heavy bourbon drinkers here. At Dojo Studios. We love our bourbon. I make heavy bourbon. And you make oh, heavy, heavy bourbon. bourbon. <laughs> Just by chance. But first, I, I, I got to say, so Eric Jett, that's, you, 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 you were actually probably born Eric Smith or John, you, that's, that's got to be a name that you, no. you changed later. No. It's just too, too cool. No. My middle name is actually Scott too. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. Eric Jett. What yeah. nationality is that? I don't know. I think it originated as a French name. I love positive. it, man. I wish I'm I was good with that stuff. I wish I was named Eric. When Jet. you're a Jet, you know, you're we a need Jet, to take you know? a moment though to just recognize how many Eric's at least there are. Too many. At least we spell ours the right way with a C at mm, the end of it. Yeah. None of that it's K soft. nonsense. I was trying to figure that out today. All right, so uh, so my name my name's Eric. Oh, uh, sure. nice to meet you. Eric. <laughs> my name's Eric. Uh, Eric Espinoza. My good friend Eric Espinosa. With a K. He throws a K on the yeah. end, but he's still an Eric Espinosa. His son, 
Eric Espinosa Jr. Mm. All right, so boom, already there's three, me, you, and F4, you. Calvino. And then we got Eric Calvino, uh, Cigar Snob Magazine. Yeah. Uh, Eric Calvino. And then Eric Bay. He's, he spells his with an A at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, that's... The, is this, is this something that crazy. all the cool kids are doing it, so I should be honored? Or, like, it's overdone and I need to change my first name? Well, uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> because it's starting to become... A, a pretty great trend. I'm trying to like we got it, Scotty. We need a spreadsheet with all the Eric's in the okay, cigar. I will yeah. not get on that yeah, right okay, now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, don't get on that right now. But no, Eric, we're 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 super jazzed to have you on the show. Thank you. I love the fact that you spell your name exactly like I do, E R I C, which is the proper way to do it. No offense to all my other friends out mm-hmm. there, but uh, we're going to talk some bourbon tonight. We're going to talk some cigars. We have a cigar that we're all smoking on the show tonight from none other. And Scotty Brayband, this is his house blend Maduro. Yes, sir. This is my Chowee Maduro. And um, so uh, why don't you, Scott? What the um, heck is this thing? Tell us a little bit about this, and then we'll be talking about it as we uh, fire up some bourbons from Eric uh, tonight, some whiskeys from Eric. But what what is this that we're smoking? Okay, so this was the first cigar that I did for uh, house blend cigar for my mobile cigar lounge. All of my cigars are named after the nicknames of all three of my daughters. So Chawi is for my middle child, I guess you'd call it, beings that she's one of the twins, but she was the firstborn, so Charlotte, but it's my Chawi. So uh, this is a Mexican San Andres wrapped cigar, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler, medium to medium plus body, just kind of smooth and consistent throughout. So it's just meant to be, this was one that I kind of blended out when I did this to go with just with the bourbons in general. Who rolls it? Very nice. This was rolled by Sereno Cigars. All right. Mm. Oh, I like Sereno. That's a good company. By the way, uh, it's a very good cigar. I can tell you right off the bat. Um, Very nice. I'll get more into it as we go. But Eric, uh, before, oh, by the way, you guys are watching on Facebook, uh, YouTube. Um, If you've got Whiskey questions, bourbon questions, post them and uh, Jordan will pass them on and Eric can answer them because we have an expert in the house tonight. No, and, uh, don't yes. make them too difficult, please. <laughs> no, no, come on. <laughs> no, we'll have some fun talking. You guys edit this, right? It's uh, not li- we're not live, right? Uh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, we're not live. Um, that's why we call it Smoke Night Live. But anyways, Eric, uh, let's get just real quick. Let's Let's start with how you – here's the thing. In the cigar industry, mm-hmm. everybody everybody dreams of of like being like a master blender, or they dream of having their own shop, or they dream of of uh, owning a factory or a brand and that kind of thing. And here you are, you're the head distiller for Distillery Two Ninety One in Colorado mm-hmm. Springs. Um, you guys are making a lot of waves. I mean, obviously, we see you guys everywhere. This year, we didn't see it at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest for reasons that we can't discuss. But normally, you're at Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival. Yes. You're a regular there. Everybody's excited to see you guys. In fact, you met Robbie from Flavor Odyssey there a couple of years ago. Um, but how did you become a head distiller? Because you sort of started off like most people might, but then you ended up being a head distiller. Like It seems like you took a path that went from zero to 100. Well, I started the correct way by first foregoing college. I did not get any schooling for this. <laughs> Um, no, I, <laughs> smart. The route I took was, uh, first I was a screen printer for a while. I printed t-shirts, um, did that for a while. And then I was looking for a change. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, my wife and I had been enjoying whiskey for quite a while before that. And for our three year anniversary, we decided to uh, go tour the Stranahan's distillery. We had never seen a distillery in person though. We'd been enjoying whiskey for a while. 
went there, saw the process, fell in love with it. And I thought, you know what, this is what I, this is what I want to do. Wow. So I proceeded to, um, I filled out my resume, brought it in and proceeded to bug the crap out of them. Every two weeks I called them incessantly until they, um, relented and said, we have a tour guide position open. Will you please just take that and stop calling us? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, and then, uh, I worked as a tour guide there on the weekends, uh, for about three months, they had an opening in the uh, distillery department. And uh, I, again, just bugged the crap out of them until they were like, all right, we'll teach you how to be a distiller. So it's all learned on the job. I worked at Stranahan's for three years, um, great years. And uh, I met the owner of 291 uh, just a few months after I had started distilling. And he had just started distilling about a month prior to that, maybe a, a week or two, actually. Um, his name is Michael Myers. And uh, we met at an... For industry- Halloween, thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We met at an industry event, and uh, he had just started distilling 291 whiskey, and he only had white whiskey at the time, and we were, I was tasting it, and we were just talking about all the notes in there, and he really appreciated, I guess, what he says. He appreciated my palate and, and how I was able to draw out some of those notes, and uh, we hit it off, and he, he's told me that uh, from that day, he knew he wanted to hire me once he was able to bring on an employee, and so I was the first hire with Distillery 291 um, back in... When was that 2014? Um, took over production from Michael so he could focus on other things, and we've been growing the company ever since. Wow! Um, yeah, just- that you know, I, I got to say, like, um, that's that sounds like the dream. You know, like you 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 see something that you want to do, and you go for it, and you do it. You're essentially self-taught, is what I'm yep, hearing. Learning from on the you. job, yeah. Learning on the job. And I would assume, you know, like now you're you're coming up on ten years, twelve years. Been distilling for twelve years. Wow, because 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 the, the strand yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah you've been almost two ninety one for nine years. Right. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit, like the challenge. Well, first of all, before we get there, guys, we got to pour some bourbon now. He poured me a little already. What are we drinking right I now? Bourbon. So, so that so that we can talk a little bit as it about it as we're talking. Before we talk about that, I really do need to give a disclaimer to okay. the uh, to the listeners. Okay, I like these. I I um. I have three beautiful, wonderful little Petri dishes. I mean, children at home. And sure enough, uh, you know, last night, one of them kind of came down with something. And sure enough, my wife and I woke up feeling under the weather this morning. I texted Scott and I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, oh, we're all getting over a cold anyway, so don't worry about it. And I didn't want to cancel last minute, but my brain is like in the fog <laughs> right now. And I, I just need to let everyone know that, that I'm, you know. Well, Eric, not don't, my normal self. But. Don't worry because my brain is <laughs> permanently in the fog. So uh, don't worry about that. Uh, what's this first right, one? So yeah, what we're drinking. Yeah. This is our barrel proof single barrel Colorado bourbon whiskey. Uh, it is from one single barrel. It's barrel proof, meaning we don't cut it down with water at all. It's full strength. This one goes to 11, I like to say. Um, and this particular barrel is 127.2 proof. Mm. Um, so this is our standard bourbon mash bill. Uh, it is 80% corn, 19% malted rye, and 1% malted barley. I can tell already, uh, I can just right off the bat, great mouthfeel. Mm, yes. uh, when I first, when I first had, when I first took the very first sip of it, I, I had an, a sort of an apple uh, sort of note yeah. to it. I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm still getting yeah, that. You were telling me that. And so this is one thing I love about pairing cigars with whiskey. Scott and, and I have actually been doing some cigar pairings along with Matt from Colorado Spirits Collective lately at our distillery. Um, we've done a couple of them. We got another one coming up in November where, you know, Scott and I will get together and pick out a cigar that pairs well with one of our whiskeys, but then we'll combine it with a few different whiskeys. And when you have 
um, certain cigars with certain whiskeys. It really changes your experience of both of them. And I see what you mean about the apple in this, but that is not a note that I ever really get in our bourbon. But for some reason, the way this cigar is interacting with that, it is drawing out some nice apple notes. Mm -hmm. Typically with this whiskey, you know, get a little bit more cinnamon, brown sugar, some orange marmalade or dried apricots, a um, little bit of eucalyptus in there. Mm. Um, but the fruitier notes, definitely more of an apricot or citrus note. So the apple thing is, is quite nice. And it's, it's I think, yeah, in part thanks to the cigar and how they are playing nice together. Yeah, that uh, that Mexican San Andreas is typically uh, a little sweeter. So maybe that maybe that does uh, uh, affect the, the flavor of the bourbon just a little bit. So... So when you got started at Stranahan's and then you moved over to Distillery 291 um, and you're, you're basically learning on the job, mm -hmm. um, how, are, you, are you at this, at this simultaneously, are you like researching, are you studying, are you, do you have like uh, guys that you can uh, lean on a, a little, little bit? A little, a little you know? bit. I mean, not, not nearly as much as I should. I mean, um, a lot of the learning comes out of necessity. Um, you know, again, I got three kids. I'm not usually going home and just reading up on work. I'm happy to usually be home and resting. Man, we used to throw bags of grain by hand. Um, I mean, everything was, was done the hard way. I mean, in fact, one of our mottos at 291 is hard made the Colorado way. And so usually I'm, I'm too wiped to do too much research. But yeah, as things come up on the job, you got to figure them out. And what's cool about the Colorado scene is that um, there's so many other distilleries all kind of in the same boat and everybody's kind of learning together. So yeah, there's some like, you know, you brought up Lenny. Lenny's a great dude. I know that if I ever need to call Lenny, got a question for him, I can do that. And he can do that with me. So it seems like, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is pretty much, I, I, in fact, I know this is the case with a lot of States a, a 10 years or so ago, you know, this, the boom of distilleries just started, you know, popping up everywhere. Yeah. Like, but Colorado kind of had a little bit of a head start because you know, Stranahan's um, that you mentioned is very, very popular whiskey. Yep. Um, and so, you know, right off the bat, Colorado, I mean, obviously everybody knows Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, Indiana, that kind of stuff. And then the 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 craft, if you want to call it that, distillery sort of popping up everywhere. But Colorado had a pretty good head start. We, we, yeah. We've got a, a, a fairly decent sort of footprint of distilleries in this state. Yeah, Colorado pioneered the way for craft distilling. Stranahan started in 2004 and started releasing whiskey on the market in 2006. I think there were only two or three other craft distilleries in the, the country at that time releasing whiskey. Um, and then shortly after, Stranahan showed that it could be done and they kind of paved the way legally in the state. You had a lot of other distilleries um, following behind them. And there's a lot that are making great whiskey. Another cool thing about Colorado is that there, there aren't really a lot of distilleries that are alike. With Kentucky, there is this Kentucky bourbon profile. Um, there are differences between the brands, but there's a whole lot of similarity. You can taste five different Colorado bourbons, and they taste like five completely different whiskeys, and they can all be great for different reasons. Um, so Colorado is kind of the Wild West uh, for craft distilleries, for sure. So let's talk about that. Uh, when you were in, in the early stages kind of getting going... I would assume there's some, you know, learning experiences, some some failures. I mean, I, I you guys have won some awards. Uh, Breakout Distillery yeah. of the Year in 2022, World's Best Wheat Whiskey in 2021, World's yeah. Best Rye in 2018. Yeah, yep. But before you got to that, yeah, there, you know, there had to be some 
some trial and, and error and stuff I, with everybody that oh, yeah. happens, right? Yeah. So a lot of the recipes that we are still using to this day, our flagship recipes are all um, were crafted by Michael Myers. Um, he toyed around with them. He was distilling those. I came on board and, and really took those and ran with his recipes. Um, we do have some experimental whiskeys, our, our E-series, which I did bring one of those with us. Um, and we've, we've had some, some new mash bills that we've uh, since introduced. But a lot of that trial and error was, uh, as far as recipe goes, was Michael um, playing around with that. And then from there, there's the logistical trial and error of, oh, this piece of equipment sucks. Mm. Uh, this thing breaks all the time. This is not the best way to do this. You know, work smarter, not harder kind of thing. And, and uh, um, figuring out how to best make. So at 291, we're always we're always trying to make the best whiskey. Every, every distillery is, but you know, we try not to rest on our laurels. We've experimented with different yeasts. We've experimented with different mash bills. We've experimented with different fermentation temperatures and mash uh, temperatures with the grain. We've used different types of grain, different regions. Um, and it's not so much a, well, what does a textbook say about this? What kind of flavor should we get? It's what is the real world experience that if we change this one variable, there's so many variables that if you change one, there's this ripple effect. Mm. And, um, so it's, it's a lot of trial and error and we've learned a lot in 12 years. As a company. That's the crazy, that this is the thing that really gets me about <clears throat> bourbon as compared to, uh, say cigars or craft beer, right? Like it, it, all, all of those have similarities. Uh, the craft cigars, craft premium cigars, craft, uh, beer craft bourbon but with with bourbon and whiskey there's this this aging time that's oh, yeah. dramatically longer yeah. than a cigar like you can make a cigar have the cigar roller roll it and you can smoke it right right then and while it you might taste a little bit of uh, uh, wetness or it's a little bit young maybe yeah. there's a slight bit of ammonia or whatever right you can get a pretty good feel for okay i can I can tell what this is going to taste like after 60 days in the aging room. Like yeah. uh, there's a, there's yeah. a, and with beer even more so like, you know, they can brew crazy kinds of beer every week and experiment and go crazy because yep. the aging time isn't, isn't there, you right. know? Right. But with, with whiskey and bourbon, I, so I always like to ask guys like you, how do you know when you've made that mash bill and you, you know, how do you know, it's going to be okay after aging it for four or six or maybe eight years. Well, we don't know what the end result is when it comes off the still, but we can tell if it's going to be something special or unique just based on the white spirit before it's aged. But I do want to ask you. Yes. I don't mean to put you on the spot. But I love how, being on the spot. Tasting this bourbon, how old do you think this bourbon is? Oh. It, 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 goes, it leads All into right. the answer. Okay, hold on. Let's do this fun experiment. Hold on. I would say this is, first of all, it's, re it's really good. It's very enjoyable. Uh, thick, buttery, like yep, I said. Very um, viscous mouthfeel, yeah. Um, I do taste, uh, with a lot of Colorado stuff, I do taste the corn. Mm -hmm. I can taste a little I mean, bit of it's a corn. high corn content, 80% corn. Okay, right. Yep. So I'm going to say uh, this is four years. It's uh, between one and two years. Wow, that's impressive. Yep, so, so how do you get that? How do you yeah. get that taste how, in just one or two How years? do we win world's best rye whiskey with a <laughs> one-year-old whiskey? Um, so when Michael started, uh, he, he bootstrapped it. You know, he didn't have any investors. Uh, he, he knew he wanted to make whiskey, and he just used his own money. He built his own stills. Um, he designed his own, all, all that stuff. 
and he knew he wanted to make aged whiskey, uh, but he was, he started in 300 square feet, you know, basically the size of this room that we're in right now and didn't have a lot of room for barrels. He also needed some money coming back in, needed to sell some aged whiskey. And so he started using smaller barrels with a smaller format barrel, which, which we use right now, mostly uh, our 10 gallon barrels. Mm. Uh, we also have some 30 and 53 gallon barrels aging as well. But with those, what you have is a greater surface area of the wood coming into contact with less spirit. So it takes on the characteristic of the barrel in less time than it would in a larger barrel. To come back to your question, when we experiment with stuff, there is an advantage to aging in small barrels and knowing what our standard whiskey tastes like at this age that we don't necessarily have to wait five, six years or something to see uh, a result of, of, you know, some variable that we've changed. We can see that in a year. You can see it in 18 months. And I would assume like the, the, the really big distillers, um, you know, in Kentucky and whatnot, they, they have a couple of advantages. Um, one advantage being this huge, massive history that goes way, way back that they can lean upon. Yeah. You know, they've had, they have these recipes that they've done for maybe a hundred years or something yeah. like that. And then this, the second big advantage they have is they have these huge warehouses filled with barrels that are aging that they can mix together yeah. to get a sort of a, a more similar flavor. You guys don't have they, that advantage no. because you're young and right. you're doing things, you know, in, a, in 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 Colorado Springs, yeah. they they have to be so the big guys have um, the economy of scale. They yeah. can make tons. I mean, we're talking millions and millions of barrels, um, and they can do that and uh, uh, sell it for affordable prices. And it's still really good whiskey. Um, with being a smaller distillery, not having that ability, what you have to do is set yourself apart. You know, this bourbon we're drinking, uh, it. It doesn't taste like a Kentucky bourbon. I would say it falls definitely within the realm of a bourbon, and it's an amazing bourbon, but it's not like Wild Turkey. It's not like a Heaven Hill product or a Buffalo Trace product. Um, it's something unique and different, and because of the process that we do, I didn't even bring up when we were talking about it, that we do Aspen Stave Finishing. We were the first and only distillery mm. to use local Aspen trees, cut those into staves. We, we toast them at the distillery ourselves. We'll put them into the barrel the last few weeks of aging to, to give it a, a unique Colorado taste to it. We're making something that if you like this flavor profile, and a lot of people do, um, you have to come to us to get it. You're not going to find something like this in Kentucky. And that's something that the craft distilleries are having to do is um, create new and exciting things. It's similar to the craft brewing movement. Um, that grew about because the big, the big breweries at the time were making these rice adjunct lagers that all tasted like, you know, horse piss, like... <laughs> so it, they weren't exciting. You know beers. what horse piss tastes like? I, I mean, <laughs> there's a little Happy Gilmore. Uh, we can edit. Right? We're, not, we're not live, right? Uh, happy pieces. Gilmore. Uh, no, I get what you're saying. But, yeah. So, so you had these craft breweries coming out with IPAs and brown ales and and Hefeweizens and all these beers that you couldn't get from Coors or Budweiser, and they s distinguished themselves in the market. It's the same with craft distilling, except the big distilleries make and always have made great whiskey. You know, it could be argued that the big breweries weren't making good beer. Right, that's a good point, yeah. So we're competing against distilleries that are making great whiskey that I, I drink all the time. I love Kentucky bourbon. I love Tennessee whiskey, right? Um, but what we have to do is create something truly unique and different and yet at the same time also really enjoyable. So. Let's go to uh, let's go to Jordan. Jordan. Uh, I, was, I had a oh. quick question. Oh, sure, yeah. So you were talking about how you could get, you know, these 
uh, more fuller flavors with the the smaller barrels mm-hmm. in a shorter amount of time. Do you think that that could, and on the other end of the spectrum, hurt you in the long run? Like if, if you, you could become, if you wanted to come out with a 12-year age uh, expression, it would be over-oaked. So uh, in a small barrel, yes. Um, that would probably be too long. We have aged some small barrels uh, four years, five years that are fantastic. Not every small barrel is going to be that good. They will, they will tend to be too oaky at that age. It just depends uh, on the whiskey and making sure you're tasting it along the way. Uh, but there are pros and cons to um, small barrels and big barrels. And we do have larger barrels aging for that very purpose mm, you that you brought both. up so that we can do um, some different types of releases, some older whiskeys. Okay. Uh, the thing is, is that for a long time, people thought that you couldn't make good whiskey in small barrels because it's not just about taking on the characteristics of the wood. There's a lot of things that happen in a barrel. And one of those things is time. Um, you have oxygenation and esterification. You have these bonding of these congeners and ester compounds into new flavors and you have a softening of the whiskey that you can't rush you can rush what's called the digestion of the barrel where the the ethanol acts as a solvent and breaks down the wood but you need time to have some of these other things happen so a lot of for a long time people thought you just couldn't make good whiskey in small barrels we've proven them wrong you know we've been doing small barrels as you said we won world's best rye in 2018 world's best wheat uh, in 2021 well, whiskey magazine named us craft producer of the year in 2022 we, we went double golds in San Francisco. I could go on and on. I mean, on our bottles here, um, we, we put some stickers just to advertise. We call this our, our bottle bling. See, Jordan, you needed a sound effect for that. You all, all of these competitions. There, that's much better. All of these competitions, you know, we're competing against 12-year-old whiskeys, 8-year-old whiskeys. We're competing against the big guys. It's, it's about everything that happens prior to that barrel, too. We have to make sure that everything in our process is as good as it possibly can be so that that spirit that goes in the barrel is, is as good as it can be. And then we have this whiskey coming out of it. Now, I, 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 we have inevitably got this question, or not a question, but a comment from Eric. By the way, thank you, Eric Wiggs. Another Eric. Uh, by the way, you spell your name wrong, Eric Wiggs. Uh, <laughs> he said, so- sorry, that's not bourbon. I'm assuming that he is... Uh, He's commenting on the age of this because there, for a long time, there it's were these very years. strict standards no, about. Uh, no, uh, nope. Okay, so that's what I'm. That's uh, I'm leading into this all right, question. All right, Eric with a K. <laughs> let me let me take you out to the schoolyard for a moment. No, okay. So to be a bourbon, it's got to be made in America. It's got to be 51 percent or more corn in the mash bill. It has to be used uh, new oak, new charred American white oak. Uh, it can't be distilled above 160 proof. Can't go into the barrel above 125 proof. And you have a bourbon. You can age bourbon for a day if you want to, and it can still be a bourbon. To be what's called a straight bourbon, it has to be aged mm. over two years. Mm. Okay. okay. So oh. I don't know if I've ever... Did you have the uh, Pabst bourbon? Uh, no, I have not had aged that. Aged like four seconds. They, like, no. they just ran it through a barrel, and they I can call it, they call yeah. it bourbon. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Legally, yeah. what we're making is a bourbon. Um, it is not a straight bourbon, although we've released straight bourbons, and... I, it, you know, I'd have to go look at my logs. We, we do release barrels at two years. When I, it's one to two years old. Most of our whiskey right now we're actually releasing is actually between 18 months and two years. Um, I just said one because that is our cutoff. We will, even if it's good whiskey, we won't release it under that. But um, for all I know, this particular barrel might even be a straight. Um, that's just to be a straight bourbon, though. You have to be two years old. Oh, so it, it, so the... But saying that it has to right. be two years to be a bourbon is like saying if it doesn't come from Kentucky, it's not a bourbon, <laughs> so which is also a lie. Just a false... Right. Yeah. It's just a false criteria that people think, and I, I have those have those um, 
I don't know, those criterias relaxed over the years or is this, is it always been that way as far as you know? Um, they haven't relaxed over the years. Uh, it hasn't always been that way either. I want to say the new barrel part might be in the 1930s. Okay. Um, bourbon was officially classified as a, uh, uh, the national spirit by Congress in 1964. Um, and you had uh, the Bottle and Bond Act in 1894, I, I think it was, um, that required bourbon to be aged four years uh, at least and 100 proof and stored in a bonded warehouse that the government had access to. And that right. was just an attempt to... Um, get taxes. Get a, get taxes, and also <laughs> to put a seal of of government approval saying right. this is quality bourbon and not some you know bathtub whiskey, right? Um, but the whole uh, new oak thing is is relatively recent in the twentieth century, and there was bourbon being made before that that was essentially corn whiskey aged in used barrels. Okay, so um, I need some more. I need some more uh, uh, stuff. What do we got, Jordan? Well, audience questions. Okay, we yeah. Got, as he's uh, pouring, let's. Fireborns. Uh, he, he said, "I bought a bottle of each of their pairings with Trinity, and they use real cork stoppers. Is there a reason why you guys use real cork rather than rubber stoppers? We just like real cork. It's more elegant. I don't know. Let's see, you know what's cool though is is the entire yeah, yeah the entire Here. lid is cork. Yes, as opposed to just like a cap this, with this shape was designed by Michael Myers. He designed okay. the uh, labels of the bottle and everything." Uh, I do want to do this. Get a little, top yourself off a little bit with the uh, okay. bourbon we just drank. All right. And then I'm going to give you another bourbon. We're going to compare them side to oh, side, great. side right. by Let's side. Because this. this is one well, of my favorite things to do uh, with people. So we were talking about different <clears throat> variables, right? All right. We've tried different regions of grain. We've tried different yeasts. Um, we've tried lots of different things. And this right here that I just poured is our E series whiskey. It's our E batch 11. Um, and each, the E stands for experimental. Each one is different. No two are the same. <laughs> this particular one, it's our same bourbon mash bill. It's the 80% corn, 90% okay. malted rye, 1% malted barley. Um, but there was this thing that happened a couple of years back where our boiler broke. We had a couple uh, mashes of bourbon in fermenters. Hand that to Matt oh, so he can go. let the guys do the test. So we had some, some batches of, of bourbon fermenting. Yeah. And typically we ferment for about seven days, which is a long time. It has to do with the yeast we use. Happy to talk about that. Um, but when those seven days were up, we didn't have a working boiler at the time to distill it. So it had to sit in the fermenter for an extra three weeks before we could get a uh, working boiler. And so it had this whole secondary bacterial fermentation that happened. Um, it created a lot of sour notes, uh, a lot of organic acids, and uh, it came out really funky. The mash did very sour. We distilled it just to see what it would be like. The spirit that came out of the steel was very interesting. So we thought, why not put it in the barrel, see what happens? So what we're comparing here, it's the same bourbon, but one variable has changed. It has an extra three weeks of bacterial fermentation, and they are incredibly different bourbons. All right, let's uh, give this a, uh, a taste here. I'll start with the uh, first one that we have. I don't have the golden palate like Jordan does. I don't know about that. Jordan, you'll have to uh, chime in on this one. Oh. Yeah, this one, for me, for me, very spicy. Yeah. Lots of cinnamon. There's a lot of spice coming out on the palate. Very spicy. I will I, say. These I are, would almost have said that that was a rye. These are not the, the best tasting glasses, you know, to nose with. And the cigar what? is going to <laughs> We bought these at King Supers for Come like $3. <laughs> Come um, on. Typically, this bourbon, um, the E-Batch 11, has a lot of butterscotch, 
Oh, and I love uh, that balsamic vinegar on it. It's a very mm. sweet and very funky bourbon. You're right that there's a lot of cinnamon coming out yeah. when paired with this cigar. Um, but it is a very different, very thick mouthfeel typically uh, in this bourbon compared to our others. And by the way, this one is 130 proof Woo! that we're drinking. It um, is spicy. Everything I, like I brought it. is barrel proof. That's how Dang. that's how we like to drink our whiskey at 291 if we can. I so do we got like another that. audience question. This yeah. one's kind of a little more weird. <laughs> I like <laughs> From that. Chad, Chad, uh, Chad, T. Chad. Uh, can you ever take whiskey right after it's made and put wood cubes in it and heat and cool it many times to get an idea what it would be like aged slowly? You can, sort of. It doesn't give you a great impression. Michael um, would do this thing back in the day when he was experimenting with different recipes. He would take a little bit of the new make, the, the white spirit, and he would put it in a mason jar with um, some wood chips. And he would he was doing a lot of deliveries at the time, driving around delivering to liquor stores and having to drive up to Denver and stuff. And so he would just sit there in his truck while he's driving and he would just roll the mason jar back and forth on mm. his driver's seat um, while he was traveling. And by the time he got there, <laughs> it would, you know, it have all that color and stuff. It tastes, it tastes very oaky. There's this almost artificial oak sweetness to it when that happens. And there's also a lot of uh, a tannic dryness to it when you age a whiskey like that. Um, it's not ideal, but yeah, that's Michael would mess around with his recipes uh, that way when he was first trying stuff. Wow. Out, so yeah. All right. Good job, Chad. Good question, <laughs> Chad. Uh, Jordan, before we go to commercial, why don't you uh, say what you think between the two? Um, so I don't know if it's because of the glass on the second one or not, but on the, I was getting more, a lot more aroma on the first one, um, like chocolate glass, malt yeah. kind of stuff going on. And then it also had more rice spice to it. Um, Cinnamon, rice spice, uh, some like toasted, a lot of toasted woods. And then with the cigar, that sort of uh, smoked kind of hickory coming off the cigar, kind of amplifying that a bit. Um, on the second one, even though it, it's higher proof, right? Yeah. I, was, I don't, I feel like this one doesn't come across that way. It has yeah. a good uh, texture to it, but it's more uh, syrupy, brown sugar yeah. kind of a vibe to it. The mouthfeel is a bit more viscous on the second one, on the E Batch 11. And, and uh, again, the cigar is definitely. This is this is something that Scott and I have talked a lot about. We'll taste cigars and whiskeys together and find the right ones to pair. Um, and anybody that's done a tasting with us in a pairing at 291, um, we'll take one cigar and we'll actually have three different whiskeys with it. And the experience of the cigar, the notes that you're getting off the cigar itself, will change based off of what whiskey you're having. And it's the same with the whiskey itself. So um, this glass, this environment, it does taste different. But the E-Batch 11 is this unique animal that for me is butterscotch generally speaking and um, um balsamic vinaigrette wow and and uh it's it's very cool um but yeah you're right there is there is more of a cinnamon and brown sugar note but to me yeah it's 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 um i kind of like the viscous. second one uh, i i love the second the one i love them both but yeah 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 they're both good i, I but that's I'm leaning so, towards the second one so, so that far. just shows you that you change one variable in a process that's just full of variables whether it's the shape of your still where you're making your cuts where you're getting your grain what temperature you're mashing your grain at, uh, what temperature you ferment at. We've tried five. We were doing an experiment. So um, we use a proprietary brewer's yeast, which is uncommon. We're not using a yeast that's purpose-bred for distilling um, because when Michael first started, he had access to this particular yeast that we still use. When I came on board, I, I suggested, hey, let's let's try some uh, distiller's yeast. They'll ferment a little faster. We might get more of a yield out of it. They tend to be a little cheaper. Um, so it's kind of a win-win-win situation. And he's like, great, let's do some experiments. Um, we kept all the variables the same except for the yeast. 
And it was crazy that you changed that one variable and everything from the flavors you're getting to the mouthfeel of the whiskey changes dramatically. And uh, it just through happenstance, um, the yeast that Michael originally started using, we kept settling. We would taste it blind regularly, these, these uh, different samples. And we just kind of kept coming back to the original yeast. And it's a very unique yeast. But mm. again, we, if we were to change the yeast, you would find a, um, a difference in our bourbon as about extreme as the difference between these two. Mm. So I brought this bottle as just uh, a way yeah, to that's, show that's, that. Yeah, that's also an interesting comparison to tobacco uh, in the sense that um, in, in a farm, a tobacco farm, they can be growing the exact same tobacco in a three-acre lot or whatever. But say the tobacco that's maybe near the edge, maybe it's closer to like a stream or whatever, um, that tobacco is dramatically different mm -hmm. than the tobacco that is only – you know, maybe a hundred yards to the right of it. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of commonalities uh, with tobacco and uh, bourbon. We're going to talk more about it as the show goes on. But folks, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands, such as Romeo, Julieta, Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, Espinosa and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines, such as the Drew Estate Nightshade, or my personal favorite, the Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary Champagne by Perdomo. Celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. Smoke Night Live is also brought to you by Espinosa Premium Cigars. Espinosa Cigars was the Cigar Dojo first ever Cigar of the Year award winner. Since then, they have consistently placed their cigars on our coveted year-end list, placing more than any other brand in the last decade. Whether crafting full-bodied Maduros at the San Latano factory, whipping up zesty Habanos at the fan-favorite Lazona factory, or serving up a knuckle sandwich guy with Guy Fieri, Espinosa packs the flavor that cigar craft fanatics crave. Get in the Lazona state of mind with hit releases such as the 601 Blue, Espinosa Habano, Murcielago, or the opulent orange treat that Eric Espinosa himself has dubbed Larange. With a lineup this good, you'll have no excuse but to smoke Espinosa every day. Folks, this is Smoke Night Live, episode 397. We are chatting with none other than Eric Jett, with one of the coolest names in the entire earth, Eric Jett, Jordan. Eric Jett. Eric Jett. I feel I, like I need a sound effect for that. I need to change. Eric Jett. I need to change my last no. name. Eric Jett. Oh, Eric Jett. I think that, that, I think that, that was it. Yeah. You have way too much fun with that, I just want to say. I, <laughs> I mean, the obvious it. choice would be like a jet taking I don't yeah. have a jet, okay? Yeah, no, no, no. Eric Mail. Jet. <laughs> yeah. It's like a ship. Not like a getting ship. better. <laughs> Eric is the head distiller at Distillery 291 in Colorado Springs. We're talking cigars. We're talking bourbon. Let's uh, jump over to Scotty real quick. Scotty, this cigar is very nice. Thank you for bringing these. Yes, of course. Uh, these cigars, um, the, your Maduro, I've had, a, I've had, I think I've had all of yours now. Yeah, I'm not sure. You've had all three. Um, yeah. Talk about the this pairing uh, with the two. What do you think? Um, how these pair with this particular cigar? Oh, this is one that I mean, I just I've dug this cigar, especially with most bourbons and most most rye whiskeys. So it goes so well, and it definitely draws out the sweetness 
because I've had the 291. We've done a lot of mm -hmm. tastings to get ready for this. We've done a lot of pairings where, and I mean, we've had to pour quite a few high proof bourbons and whiskeys over the last you couple poor of bastard. Months. I know the, the <laughs> sacrifices I make for my job. I know, but no, it's one of those that it's just so interesting to see, like with any of the cigars and especially this one, how much not only it changes the cigar because like the cigar by itself. I normally get a lot of nice cocoa notes. I get some nice little, like, little bit of leather, a little black pepper, just this very easy smoking, you know, Maduro. And then when you put it in here, then you're getting, like Jordan had said, some of that smoked hickory, you know, wood note. You get a little bit more of this dry, almost like espresso coffee bean note. I'm getting yep, a touch totally. of, like, a cinnamon sugar toast on it, too. Yeah. It like just, the, it's especially so with the second cool. bourbon. Yeah. It's so cool to see what they do. And like you said, these are, I mean, for all intents and purposes, these are very similar whiskeys. Yeah. And to see well, just... They're very different. Well, but I mean, but in, similar, in, yeah. in the base, you yeah. know, but it's one of those where just, like, switching those mm -hmm. few things and how much it changes because, yeah, I mean... I've had, you know, the E before with you guys when I've been down there and then, but I never smoked it with the Maduro and just how much more, like you said, that brown sugar cinnamon note that I'm pulling off of the E that I didn't get when I just had it by itself. Yeah. It's just, it's so much fun to do this. This is what I love about this is one, just how much they play. One thing that you and I, that we tell people when they come to the tastings and the, the pairings that we do at 291 is that they can recreate this at home with their cigars and their humidor and their whiskeys that they have uh, in their liquor cabinet, is that it's a great way to work out your palate. And you just take a cigar, pour yourself two or three different bourbons or different whiskeys, whatever you're drinking, and uh, just spend a little bit of time with each. And just make sure you pay really close attention to how the taste of the cigar changes as you introduce a different whiskey in the mix. Um, it's it's quite amazing. Yeah, if you guys are if you're watching uh, on YouTube um, or Facebook, uh, let us know if you've tried uh, anything from 291. We'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are, or uh, let us know what your just your 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 go to uh, bourbon or whiskey is with cigars. We always like to hear what people are pairing, especially on the show. I know we do that a lot on Wednesday nights, uh, Flavor Odyssey, but uh, tonight's kind of like a pairing episode of. Do you uh, have Do you have anybody Island? that you like to compare yourself to? Like, if guys were trying to like at home, like trying to mimic what we're doing, like, or is there some better known, like more nationally known distillery? They're like, oh, like if you want to no. like our kind of profile, are you guys just I, no, unique? I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even just saying that. Like our flavor profile is very unique. Anybody that's had 291 knows that. Um, though our bourbon falls within the bourbon realm, and our rye does as well. Uh, it's not like another distillery out there. Um, right. That has a lot to do with, you know, the grains we use, the stills that Michael made, the cuts we do, the yeast, the small barrels, the Aspen stave finish. I mean, there's so many variables mm -hmm. that we've intentionally introduced while still honoring time old traditions. You know, we have open top uh, wood fermenters. Um, we still do fermentation on the grain. Uh, lots of different things that are pretty standard for making bourbon, but we've changed enough that there's nobody else out there making a whiskey like 291. All right, what are we going to try next? Eric? So I, I brought another bourbon. I also brought one of our ryes. I know we're talking bourbon, but you know, we, we also are. Hey, we can talk rye. Oh, yeah. We can talk well, whatever you while want. While we're on bourbon, let's do one more. So yeah. this right here is our bad guy bourbon. Uh, this is the batch nine that was just released this, earlier this month. Okay. Um, it is a four grain bourbon. We release it once a year. So the difference between our standard bourbon and this one um, is that we're adding a fourth grain being wheat. Uh, the mash bill is 59% corn, 29% malted white wheat. 
uh, 9% malted rye, and then 3% uh, malted barley. Okay. So complex. I, I, I tend to... Um, I don't know if this is just, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm no expert, Eric. So, um, but I tend to feel like I like more weeded stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. I, that just, that, that may be just, I, I don't know if that's like a, uh, it's just a, a marketing thing or, or what, but I, I feel like I like the weeded bourbons. Weed is a more delicate grain and it, it tends to soften, uh, the taste and the palate of a bourbon. So if you think about, you know, Whiskey is uh, um, a distilled spirit made from grain, and bourbon is primarily corn, but you use a lot of other different grains in there. Um, but if you think of the difference between cornbread versus rye bread mm -hmm. versus wheat bread, cornbread's nice and sweet. Rye bread's got that kick and that spice to it. Wheat bread is it's sweet and bready, but in a very different way than cornbread. It's kind of a little more mild. Mm. Um, and those are just representations of those grains. And so when you introduce wheat, especially in this one where wheat is the second most prominent grain, um, it's going to soften it, and it's going to be a little bit uh, of a different uh, different profile than your standard bourbon that has rye in there. Yeah, you so. know, that seems like such an obvious comparison to bread, but I don't know if I've ever heard anybody actually say it before. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, that, that makes a ton of sense, like when you were describing that. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's uh, it. In the bourbon making process, the whiskey making process, rye making process, what what are the you know what are the sort of the the scary failure points? Like wh where can it go wrong? Where do you need to really like dangerous? Like yeah, people like, could die, things no, could explode. No, no, <laughs> no, no, go wrong or not so much just that. <laughs> just like where can it go wrong? And like oh, we screwed this batch up. Like is it okay. is it more in the so we don't talk the about match the mash bill stuff or is it more oh, anything in, anything yeah. right? Okay, so. We had one batch, only one batch, that just did not make the cut that we never released. And it was a mash bill thing that we decided to try, um, and it just didn't work out. Um, it, it, it was something that was not up to our standards. Um, so, yeah, when you experiment, something can go wrong, and then you're sinking money into a potential yeah. batch that is just basically wasted money at that point. Well, not wasted because you, you learned your lesson. Um, with something like the E11 that we, we drank, um, with the boiler going out, you have mechanical failures that that could have ruined those batches. I actually, we've I've, um, talked with another distiller that had a similar experience. Uh, their boiler went out for about a similar amount of time. They had a couple of mashes that fermented for a month. And once they were back up and running because the mashes themselves smelled so gross and so sour, uh, they just dumped them down the drain. They didn't even bother distilling them um, because they thought it wouldn't turn out good. And you know, again, we're we're always open to new ideas at 291. We're trying new things, trying to make the best whiskey we can. And so our mentality was, well, what's, you know, the money's already put into this. Worst we can do is distill it, see what the white spirit tastes like coming off the still and then make a decision. Um, and I think, you know, that really worked out for this. So you have certain things that go wrong. But if you keep at it, you can almost turn it around and it, mm. it works out. And yeah, other things will go wrong and Double down. can't fix it. Um, so, so, um, do you make really like small versions of it of the mash bill uh, when you're trying something new, or are you you're just yeah, all so in? You're you talking about a pilot system where you have a smaller, separate system where you can do some experiments with. I know some distilleries that have those, but those cost some money and mm. you know require some extra space, and it's a whole separate uh, setup. Uh, we would hope to get there at some point, but right now when we do an experiment, it's a it's a full size batch, and our batches are, are big for us. You know, we're a little company, but they're 
they're tiny in the grand scheme of things compared to a lot of the bigger guys. But yeah, we'll we'll just take the knowledge that we've gained over 12 years and Michael and I will sit down and we'll talk about potential new experiments we want to work on. And we try to make educated guesses so that um, we're trying to minimize those, those mistakes. Those are you, failures and, are you, yeah. uh, would you say you're more of the Toyota strategy where you're What's making that? smaller changes to things that you've already done? Or are you more on the, on the other side of things, say Tesla, where you're making big, huge uh, kind of crazy changes and let's just try this whole crazy new mash bill. And, and I'd say right now we're more the Toyota mentality. I'd say early on, uh, Michael was more the Tesla. He mm -hmm. was, he was trying to create these new recipes, trying wild things like, you know, using Aspen, trying different mash bills. And, and, um, but at, since we've settled on some really solid recipes, we haven't made any drastic changes to those other than maybe really small ones over the you know mm -hmm. course of years that we feel like are improving them slowly uh where we you know get really creative is that e line the the e series the because that allows us um it allows us a, a vehicle to experiment and then if it's good as long as it's good enough again there's been at least, there's been at least one batch where we felt didn't it didn't um make the cut uh we have a way to release those to the public and that's also really exciting for other people to because I mean, they're very limited bottles. I mean, this this was only 560 bottles. Uh, this e batch was so very small, um, and it allows the public to taste some things that we're messing around with and trying. And and we have um, our I didn't bring it tonight, but our all rye wh whiskey, which is a 100% rye malt. So there's no corn, nothing else in it. It's just 100% mm. malted rye. We call it our all rye. You know, all rye, all rye, all rye. <laughs> and uh, right, right. and uh, <laughs> that actually, we came out with that as a result of some experiments we were doing, it's, it's somewhat of a recreation uh, to some degree of E batch number three. Mm. So uh, one of the hopes with this series is we also get a chance to discover new things. Yeah. When you're, when you're at home and you're with your family and your wife and the kids, mm -hmm. are you thinking about like some of the stuff that's sitting over there? <laughs> I try not to sometimes. <laughs> like, when I'm oh God, that one, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it happens. Yeah. Let's talk about these bottles real quick. Yeah. Uh, this is a unique bottle. Like a lot of companies use this. There's, there's sort of like, there's really, I can think of like three, sort of like three main bottles that people use all the time. You've got the, the, the bottle that uh, the antique collection is in, you know, mm -hmm. that standard sort yep. of almost looks like, and then you've got uh, the, the short squatty kind of like uh stag junior looking kind <laughs> of, kind of bottle. Whoa, hey, take it easy oh, back there. Oh, Stack Jr. Look here. at that. Connor just walked in with Stack Jr. And he's just, <laughs> that, I, that was not planned. I did not see that happen. If you guys are if you're listening on podcast, um, Connor just walked in. I will say, Stag Jr. Thirsty Oak. It's a bold and, and elegant whiskey. Nice yet at the same bottle. time, this, this is a more elegant looking bottle. This is the uh, bottle I was just yeah. referring to. But this is a unique uh, bottle. Is this something Michael designed himself? Or? Uh, no, he didn't design it. He found it and just fell in love with it. And as far as I know, we're the only distillery that uses that bottle. Yeah, I've never um, seen it before. Yeah. But no, it was one of those things where he he found it, discovered it, and, and knew right away like that is a good representation of our whiskey. I mean, we, we like to say that um, we're rugged, refined, Oops. rebellious. That's kind of one of our slogans. Um, that We walk this line of being... A little bit rebellious, yeah. A little bit rugged, you know, like a, this bold Western whiskey that kicks you in the, the face. Like that's why we like these big, high-proof whiskeys. Um, but we're also there's we're we're refined too. There's there's a lot of complexity, a lot of 
um, lot to explore in there. And so with this bottle, you've got these square edges on the bottom, and then you've got this round shoulder of the bottle and this elegant neck on there that I think represents kind of that rugged, refined and If you guys were a heavy metal band, who would you be? <laughs> Spinal Tap. No, I, don't <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> Crank it up to 11. All right, exactly. That's, yeah, we, we like our whiskey to 11. Let's, so, yeah. let's, do, the, let's do your final one that you brought uh, as, we, as we start to get into the final segments of the show. Um, by the way, thank you so much for mm-hmm. taking the time. By the way, if you guys don't know, Colorado Springs is only about um, 60 miles from us. Yeah, where can guys get this outside but of Colorado? It's it's t- difficult to get from there to here on a Friday night. I mean, so we're thank all you. over. Uh, I don't. I should know all this. I know we're in California. We're oh, in Texas. We're in Kentucky. I like this one. That's okay. our rye. I'll mm. tell you about that in a sec. We're we're in, we're mm. all over. Um, you also can get us online. Um, mm. If you go to distillery291.com, there's a store there. I know there are some states, I think there's like 10 of them or so, that legally we can't ship to. Right. But most states, we can ship direct to you if you can't find us in your state. But, you know, it's always helpful if, if you want to try 291 or you're a fan. You guys got to your, try this right. Yeah, yeah. Go to your liquor store, ask them for 291 bring it to in. bring it in. Yeah. Um, but you can find it. It's, it's not too difficult. We're definitely all over Colorado. So, Eric Jett, this rye is... Awesome. Thank you. Uh, this rye is so, so far to me, it's the star of the show. Super good. Don't you mean Eric Jet? There we go. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm getting and, and longer, too. Good job, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, we are, uh, in a sense, known mm. for our rye. I, I like to say this is a wow. bourbon drinker's rye. If you just don't think you like rye whiskeys, but you like bourbon, try our rye. We did win World's Best Rye with it. Um, it's, it's got some nice, uh, I haven't tasted it with this particular cigar, but generally speaking, you get a lot of cinnamon and clove and like, mm-hmm. I think of like a rye bread, French toast. Mm. So if you were to make French toast, but with rye bread, Ooh. Mm. I like and, that uh, description. it's a little butter and maple yeah, syrup on it's it. It's got a nice viscous mouthfeel. This right here is our barrel proof, single barrel Colorado whiskey. It actually doesn't say rye on the label, but it is a rye whiskey. Um, and it's just like the first bourbon we had. It's from one single barrel at barrel proof. The one we're drinking tonight is 127.6 proof. Okay. Oh, it's great. And yeah. this is the one I always say because we've done this, this before. Your the favorite. pairings. Yeah. This is my favorite by far. This is the one for me. I've it's got Michael's a bottle of this too. at the house, yeah. and I always say this is one I'm saving for more like the holiday season because for me yeah. this is, for lack of a better term, it just tastes like Christmas. Yeah. Christmas pudding. So nine times out of ten, if you see Michael at our tasting room or out, drinking somewhere he's usually drinking mm. our colorado whiskey that what we're drinking right now and the reason you know we have a small batch rye it does say rye on the label that's a it's a batch of 20 barrels that we will cut down to 101 proof uh, but this one here uh michael just wanted to call it our colorado whiskey uh it was his flag like his true flagship the first one he made um he loves rye whiskeys it was one of the things that inspired him to make whiskey and with colorado you know so many whiskeys being so different here um, and really trying to make a name for Colorado's a state that offers great whiskey. Um, he sees this as our greatest contribution to the Colorado whiskey yeah. scene. It's phenomenal. So, this is this is. I got a hot take. Yeah. Ooh. I take. really like this. This yeah. is. What a hot but take. The, the one before this, the the weeded one, the bad guy. Yeah. That's my favorite. It's that great. was your favorite. Yeah, yeah. That I picked that one over this one. That's the, a hot take. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I guess it's just really you know as anything else kind of boils down to to what you dig but you know eric you said before the show you really really you really wanted to talk about with sports yeah. Uh, yeah. you wanted to talk a lot about sports i love the sports balls 
no, what do you I, think about Coach Prime? Eric, was, Eric was, was like, he was like, before the show, he was like, well, please, please don't talk about sports. Please, whatever you do. But you know what the crazy thing is? Turns out Eric Jett it likes all the same music that we like here in Dojo Studios, which is crazy. It was just like, we were just like in a zone before the show. I've never heard of any of these bands. I just wanted to sound cool in front of you guys. <laughs> you just researched a few of them before the show. <laughs> no, I, I do. Yeah, they're great. Uh, no, th- this is this has been a fun experiment. I, I, I so you, I, mean, I assume that you have sort of sort of regular offerings as well. That they're not the- so. Um, two of the whiskeys we tasted: the first one, the barrel proof bourbon, and the rye that we're drinking now, barrel proof single barrel ones. Those are regular offerings. You okay. get those all the time. About twenty to twenty five percent of of the whiskey we're putting out into the market are these whiskeys. Um, we also have our small batch bourbon, our small batch rye. Um, those, again, are, are, are a batch of barrels instead of a single barrel. Very small batch, though, 20, 20 barrels. Um, and we do proof those down a little bit with water. Um, so you can find those. We also have what we call our American whiskey. we got some uh, unaged whiskeys that are great for mixing. Um, we do one liqueur um, called the, the Deck. It's a citrus and clove liqueur. Uh, but, yeah, we've got a lot of those. We do have other that I didn't bring tonight. Um, but some other seasonal releases that we, mm-hmm. we have. So we have a pretty, pretty expansive portfolio and they're all pretty awesome for different reasons. Now you're a cigar guy. Um, tell us about yours, uh, the type of cigars that you sort of gravitate to. Oh, you got geez. some favorites that you, uh, whatever's in my humidor that you really <laughs> dig. Um, anything that jumps out at you that guys can, um, well, I mean, what I got right now in my humidor is, is stuff from Scott. I've got some of his Habanos and I've got some, um, the New World Dorados. Oh, that's a great! Story. I love I love the New Worlds in general. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy a lot of what Drew Estate does, and uh, mostly like, you know the Undercrown series and mm-hmm. the Liga series when I can afford those. Jeez, um, what else? I, I, I've had Espinosa stuff; those are great. It's it, it kind of depends what's on sale, what I can afford at the mm-hmm. time, and um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I Fratello is great. I've I've had their stuff, I, and. Um, What's yeah, just your, your go-to pairing for one of your like your your favorite whiskey mm. that you make, paired with the, what cigar? What, what yeah, cigar like, what, you go what with? be what would be your, your, your? It's been a long day. Eric's uh, Michael's been he's so basic. He's been yelling at you all day about uh, the books <laughs> and the expense reports. This is and then so you, you just want to go home and you just want to have this really great pairing. Um, if I have them, usually our bourbon uh, with either. A Macanudo Hyde Park mm-hmm. or a um, Undercrown uh, Shade. Just a nice, light, a nice cre- mellow, a nice creamy, mellow Connecticut that's not going to overpower the whiskey. The whiskey won't overpower it either. They just kind of go well together. Um, I like those. Um, well, we talked about it. Uh, yeah. We were going to do one of the ones for this most recent with the oh, bad guy bourbon. We yeah, were the Perdomo anniversary. Ooh, yeah. yeah, but that's that also one. one that we also discussed, and we've all discussed it yeah. before. That that's kind of a sneaky cigar. Yeah, mm-hmm. for being that Connecticut and that creaminess, it's got some oh, yeah. some bang behind it. She's yeah. got some zip, so you <laughs> gotta you know. It's yeah. great, and when we did our bad guy pairing recently, that one almost was the cigar we decided on, but we ended up liking the uh, the New World Dorado a little better with that particular whiskey. But yeah, that's yeah. a great that's a great cigar. Yeah, a lot of people um, they'll say like a the, you get the age old question, which is, uh, what would you give? What cigar would you give to a new cigar smoker that's never smoked a cigar before? And you'll get like five people say, you know, Perdomo Champagne, and 
I, no. And I don't know if that's a great pick. Not it's a fan. It's one of my favorite cigars of all time. It's taste great, but knock it's, them on their ass. It, it's a bit stronger than most people uh, realize. Like that's yeah. not like that was sort of the cigar Jordan that kind of kicked off, um, you know, the stronger sort of Connecticut. Oh, yeah. thing that's that's going on now. That's very Absolutely. very popular. You know, uh, we do have another audience question. Uh, Mike Hakins is wondering how do you determine how much you proof down a whiskey? Mm, great question. Um. It's to some degree to taste. Well, not to some degree. It is to taste. Um, again, we like bigger whiskeys. So our small batch bourbon is 100 proof. We don't want to go lower than that. Our small batch rise 101.7. Um, uh, you know, it, we just like the more you add water to a whiskey, you're literally diluting it. You're going to thin that flavor sure. out. And um, there's a place, I guess, for 80 proof whiskeys. That's as low as you can go and legally still be a whiskey. But I don't like writing that line. Michael doesn't like writing that line. We like our whiskeys to have more body to them, more uh, oily texture, more mouthfeel, more flavor. So that definitely dictates it. We don't like going below 100. Um, and uh, there's other things like Bad Guy. So the one we just tasted, this one was only 120.6 proof. It's still barrel proof. We didn't cut this one down at all. But it's the only whiskey that we go in at a slightly lower proof into the barrel. Um, so like I was saying, to be a bourbon, you can't go in above 125 proof into the barrel. For the bad guy, we'll actually go in around 115. Mm. Uh, and we've just found, uh, again, through experimenting, we've tried different barrel entry proofs with the same batch of whiskey, um, that with that wheat in there being such a delicate spirit, that having a higher ethanol content is going to extract much more of that oak in a quicker time. And so with the bad guy, we like going in at just a slightly lower proof into the barrel, um, so it, it it really is all to taste, and it's really just playing around with, um, you know, different options. We, we've it just done like that you, over twelve yeah, years. Like you guys just go where like where the the feel feels right. It's I've always so, wondered why. Like, there's a lot of distilleries that settle on these similar numbers. Like eighty six is it? There's eighty six. There's yeah. ninety three. There's uh, so, hundred makes sense. Obviously, here, but here, like, why are these the numbers that guys always settle on? Um, so water is cheaper than whiskey. The more water you add to your whiskey, the more volume you're going to get out of it, uh, and it's going to cost you less. 80 proof is, the again, like I said, the lowest you can go. So someone who's doing 86 is getting more whiskey out of it if they add more water so they can fill more bottles um, for not much more money. And I will say that that, is a, uh, that does dictate the thinking of a lot of distilleries. Um, I, most whiskeys and most people that enjoy whiskey will tell you if you have the same whiskey at 86 proof and you, and you had it at 110 proof, most people are going to like it at 110 better. You're going to have, it also depends on the brand. Does the brand want to appeal to newer whiskey drinkers, people that haven't developed their palate that can't look past that alcohol burn and experience those flavors that just like, Ooh, they just shoot it. Um, for us, we're making whiskey for experienced whiskey drinkers that want higher proof whiskey. Most any special release that we we come out with, any seasonal release, um, is always a barrel proof. We want to let people, if you want, you can add ice to it, you can add water to it, you can do whatever you want with your own bottle of whiskey to proof Don't it down add yourself. Ice to it, no. Well, <laughs> if you buy a bottle of two ninety one, you can add coke to it. For all like, it's your whiskey. It's it's your whiskey. You know, um, we don't we we say that it's not precious. Um, it, it's however you want to drink it. Um, I so. came up with a saying a long time ago, and it goes something like this. Rain makes corn. Corn makes mm. whiskey. 
whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I, I came up I'm with that. Sure. <laughs> I came up with that. You, you did. I came up with that. You did. Okay. No, uh, Eric, well, I got to ask you because everybody's going to want to know. Um, outside of 291, obviously, this is your passion. Um, but outside of 291, what other uh, bourbons, whiskeys are you into that you really dig that uh, that you would say, God, man, I, I, I just love this. I could drink this every single day. Um. Man, I really like a lot of Heaven Hill products. Man, I like them all. Um, Wild Turkey, they make the quintessential. You know, that's a, that brand. Yes. I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah, I apologize yeah. for that. But Wild Turkey is one of those ones where you, it, initially you hear that name, you think, oh, it this, got a bad rap. For it a got while a bad for rap or something. Reason, yeah. But man, like some of the stuff they do is so good. So in my mind, Wild Turkey is the quintessential bourbon meaning it's got. The balance of brown sugar, vanilla, caramel, a little bit of cinnamon, oak. It's just, it's, it is all of the standard bourbon notes, almost to the point where it's boring, but not really. Like, if you just want to taste what bourbon tastes like, okay, there's wild turkey. And they typically release it at 101 proof. So it's a good, healthy proof. Uh, I love their rare breed. Um, that's a fantastic yeah. Just bourbon. bought some the other day. Um, Heaven Hill makes great stuff. Um, Elijah uh, Elijah Craig is great. They, they make that. Um, Evan Williams is a good go-to, especially for a mixing whiskey or something you want to drink while watching a movie and you don't you know, want to feel bad about drinking a really expensive whiskey when you're not paying attention to what you're drinking, <laughs> right? right? right, right. Um, uh, but yeah, Heaven Hill makes good stuff. Uh, Buffalo Trace is always making good things. In Colorado, some of their stuff is kind of hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um Let's see. I, there's so many. What do you um, think of Four Roses? Four Roses is good as long as you you go with their small batch and up. Yep. I'm not a big fan of their yellow label. Yep. Um, I love their barrel proof, especially. Um, their single barrel is great, but if you can find their barrel proof, single style, barrel, barrel proof, proof which <laughs> looks yeah. exactly the same except for, gold, yeah. except for maybe the little leather. Four gold. Roses is great, thing. and it's not just the name, uh, having roses in the name, but it is a little bit more of a floral, lighter bourbon than like something like Wild mm-hmm. Turkey or Heaven Hill. Heaven Hill is going to have more of a tobacco and leather note to it mm. buffalo trace to me has a little bit more of a dried fruit and almost like a robitussin cough syrup mm. like it's not a great descriptor sweetness no but in a good way in a good way um <laughs> yeah you can say tastes, manure on like, a cigar but that yeah. doesn't mean it's a bad thing right robitussin like but in a good way each distillery's kind of got its own dna its own fingerprint like i can taste 291 i know it's 291 most of Buffalo, you can pour something by Buffalo Trace, and I can pretty much tell you that's a Buffalo Trace product. Same with most. Oh, of these now other we're going to test you after the show. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, it. So, what's my? I don't have go tos. So, like with cigars, it's kind of whatever I have. I love uh, buying new bottles if it's something I haven't tried yet. Um, I like rotating through different bottles. Like I like ro- rotating through different cigars in my humidor. Um, one, I shouldn't say this because then it's going to become more hard to find, but one of my bang for buck <laughs> whiskeys right now um, that I've been, I've enjoyed for a few years is the Early Times Bottled and Bond, mm-hmm. the blue label, not yeah. the cheaper Early Times, um, but that's a really good bang for your buck um, whiskey that I try to have on hand from time to time. So Yeah, you know, uh, back in the 2011, 2012, um, Jordan and I, we were... You know, we really got into, you know, the, the, the hunt, you know, we were waiting in line or getting Pappy 15 and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was a lot of, it was, first of all, a Pappy 15 is an incredible bourbon. Like, I mean, I, a lot of people say, Oh, like it's, it's not that great. it's just all hype. No, nope. it is a great bourbon. There's no getting around it. That's a freaking great Those bourbon. Guys not are, not are, for the price that you probably paid no, they're, for. No, they're, <laughs> I, I, if you look at MSRP, yeah. it's absolutely oh, yeah. worth it. Oh, we, yeah, yeah. we were, we were, I never, ever have paid. Uh, black market, not once. Oh, wow. Never, ever, ever. You but, pay seventy five dollars for a bottle of Pappy. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what that's what we oh, were yeah. doing. 
But then the the hunt became so crazy and so almost annoying to me that I just said, you know what, I'm I'm done with the hunt. I just want to find bourbons that I like because they're such good offerings. Um, Old Forester is oh, one that yep. they just make quality stuff. Almost everything that they yeah. do is good. Yes. You can get just right off the shelf Old Forester 100 for like $27. Yep. And it's a really solid bourbon. And then you go to the 1910. I prefer the 1920 personally. But uh, obviously, if you get lucky enough to get birthday bourbon. But, I mean, there's so many other offerings than those crazy, you know, antique collection stuff from Buffalo Trace or Pappies or whatever, which I I love all of those. I mean, one of the best bottles I ever had was a bottle of Handy that was like one – what was that, Jordan? like 143. 134, I think. Yeah, it was was crazy proof. And it was just ridiculously awesome. But I kind of moved on from that into just, you know, I just want to be able to go to the liquor store and just get a good bourbon. And and now we're kind of in a good stage where you can. Yeah. I mean, uh, Handy is one of Michael's favorite rye whiskeys. It's probably – I would say it's probably his favorite rye whiskey after ours. And and he wanted to model our rye after that. Um, (sighs) Yeah, I mean, you can get Larceny at any Mm -hmm. liquor store. That's a great weeded bourbon. Mm -hmm. We did bring up Old Forester. I love their stuff. Um, I will say, you know, if you can – um, try and get 291. If you haven't had 291, try it. Um, it's not $27 a bottle, but it's going to be one of those. You brought up birthday bourbon. It's going to be one of those special, uh, whiskeys that, um, again, if you want to put Coke in it, it's your whiskey, do what you want. But like, <laughs> you want to make jello shots it, out it, of it? You're going to have it and you're going to be like, this is, this is not like any other whiskeys that I have in my, in my shelf right now. Right. So Jordan, out of these uh, four offerings, um, I'd like your opinion on what I like uh, them all. Um, I want to go. I, I feel like I want to go either the rye number one or the second one that we tried because it was a little different. Um, and then, uh, uh, but I just love that the the rye has they all have this really good texture to them. Um, but especially the rye. Um, and the, I would go the rye and the second one we tried, then the weeder, then the first one we tried. All right. There you go, folks. So if you if you are in wherever you are, ask your uh, your local liquor store if they don't have two ninety one to uh, to pick it up because uh, you know this is the fun. It's it's sort of I can I would compare you know two ninety one uh, to something like uh, a Roma Craft or a Foundation where it's mm. it's it's craft. Um, it's Man. different. You asked me about cigars. I forgot about Foundation. I love Foundation. Yeah, right. I mean, Roma Craft's great too. Yeah, by the yeah. way, in case Jeez. you guys missed the news, the uh, Metepe, Jordan, you can go ahead and say it. Oh, you, don't you mean the Metepe? <laughs> that's how Jordan says it. The Metepe started shipping today. By the way, that's a, f- a great cigar. It's tons of flavor. Um, also, check out today's uh, Papasaka review, Scotty. Um, that was published by Jordan, but what did you think of that review? Oh, dude. <laughs> Uh, you know, awful, awful. I mean, <laughs> Thanks, seriously. God. I mean, Jordan, seriously. You need to take some like writing lessons. I don't know what you did there. No, that was an amazing share. review. That's an amazing cigar. Thanks, Go man. out, find that cigar, try that cigar. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, check out the the review we published today on that cigar. That's very, very good cigar. It's definitely in the running this year for sure for stuff. But uh, Eric, I can't thank you enough for taking the time on a Friday night. Yeah. Hanging out with us, talking some music, talking some whiskey, talking cigars. We covered it all, baby. Thanks for having me. This is fun. No, yeah, like uh, I love the I love the whole craft notion of things. That's to me the most fun is 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 finding something new, finding something different, something that's unique. Um, maybe the flavor is just slightly different than you're used to, but 
it's good and and all of these that we've tried tonight are so thick and they have that, that yeah, word texture guys buttery, here at the dojo buttery these yeah have, these all have that texture yeah yeah i'm a big mouthfeel guy that's to me, me, me too and very important so i mean the nose of a whiskey is important but um, the thing that Michael and I both agree is one of the most important things in a whiskey that makes you want to go back after you have a sip is the finish and the mouthfeel. Yeah. If it's got a good texture and it ends well on your palate, you just want to go back and have another sip. Like, oh, I, and I, I, was, I was ending the show, but I, now, I need, <laughs> now, now I need to go back on, on this because you kind of brought this up. I, I've had people tell me, in fact, I had a good friend from high school just visit me uh, the other day. And he was, I was like, you know, are you into bourbon? He's like, no, nah, I never... I never could get into bourbon. I was like, well, maybe you're not, maybe you're not drinking it right. Like, let me get some good bourbon for you. And my advice to him, and I, want, I just want your opinion on this, is don't put any water in it. Don't put any ice in it. Just take the tiniest of sips that you can. Let the bourbon do the work in your mouth. And that's when I think you can start to enjoy bourbon. I think part of the problem with people is they they don't they think of you know like a spirits that you you're gonna take like a yeah. You're going to do a shot of it or, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. But with bourbon, if you can take the tiniest of sips yes. and just let the bourbon do the work in your mouth, yep. it'll, it'll, it'll dissipate to your entire palate yeah. and, and coat your tongue, go to the sides, get a little, all that tannins and all that kind of stuff. Let it do the work. Yeah. But to do that, Eric, you kind of need a stronger proof bourbon that you guys right. do. Yeah, I mean, you could do it with a hundred proof whiskey. The thing is, is that you have to be able to taste past that alcohol burn, and that, and that comes with time for mm -hmm. some people. Some people can come right away. Uh, you know, I joke with people. Uh, the reason we love or the, uh, that I love barrel proof whiskey is that I might, you know, I sometimes at like nine a.m. I have to be tasting barrels of whiskey at our distillery. Dang it. I know it's so hard. Um, uh, and, and I'm drinking barrel-proof whiskey. And so my palate has become so desensitized to mm. high-proof that I taste it. But it's like I tell people that I have to, I have to drink high-proof whiskey to feel something again. Mm -hmm. No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I mean the texture, of course, not emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> but. That's it. <laughs> Wait, so, so what you're saying, Eric, is that, that first the bourbon has to put in the work? Yes, you first. put in, in the, the work. work. Uh, never mind. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. I, I, I do believe also in the same with cigars, Eric, is that it really does help to have a guy like you explain to people what they're going to experience so that when they do experience it, they have something. That, oh, yeah. Like you're going to get like some butterscotch. Like you're going to get a little bit of this or that. Like same with cigars. Like when we review cigars, that's sort of the whole point of reviewing cigars is once somebody said to you, this, this cigar is going to taste like chocolate. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a little leather note to it. And then when you do it, that how, I do believe that that actually helps the experience. Mm -hmm. So that when you were a tour guide at Stranahan's way yeah. back in the day, and you're a guide, like that's such an important factor. And yeah. I assume you guys do similar stuff at 291, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bringing we do people tours. in? We, yeah, we absolutely do tours. We do guided tastings. We do flights of all of our whiskeys. Um, you know, we do uh, some cigar pairings with Scott. He'll come down uh, mm -hmm. with his truck. And um, the awesome thing about tasting whiskey and tasting cigars, any of that, is that when you're trying to articulate tasting notes, if we're saying, oh, there's cinnamon in this or there's, there's I'm getting some marmalade or I'm getting some butterscotch or whatever, um, that's not actually in there. We're not right. adding cinnamon. Exactly. In these are flavor compounds from that the you can yeast, relate from the to. grain, from the barrel that are marrying together to make similar compounds. Um, you know, so in barrels you have what's called a uh, vanillin, uh, 
Vanillin. We've I don't got, know how to pronounce it. We've gotten some um, new words tonight. So many. It, I think it's vanillin. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? But that's that's the basically the ingredient that uh, tastes like vanilla. Mm-hmm. That's found in the wood. You have uh, eugenol, which is another the, one. The, the the what makes cloves taste like cloves. Some of these compounds are found in barrels. Some of this stuff is the, the yeast put off certain these esters, right? The that buttery quality tends to come from yeast. Um, and but we're not adding this stuff into the whiskey. What we're doing is we're trying to articulate to someone else what this tastes like. And so we're having to draw on our past experiences, other things that we've tasted in our life or other things that we've smelled. Right. And it's a really, it's a creative exercise and you're working out a muscle in your brain. And so if you have someone who, who can articulate those things uh, along with you, you can start saying, it's not that you're, you're not leading them or tricking them into tasting something. You're saying, this is what I'm getting. Do you get it too? And if you start thinking, do I get that? Oh, I do. Um, somebody can start doing that on their own. They can right. start pairing cigars with whiskey. What is this doing to the cigar? And uh, it's just, it's a creative exercise. You're working a creative muscle right. in your mind where you, it's, it's a game of association. I have this taste. And if I, if somebody asks me, what does this whiskey taste like? Well, it tastes like whiskey is not really an acceptable answer. You have to give right more than that, more than that. And right. so you're, you're grasping at these other experiences that your palate or your nose or have experienced in life. And you're saying, Oh, this reminds me of the pancakes that my grandma used to make mm-hmm. this note or something. Right. Um, and you're drawing personal experience into that. And uh, it, it's one of those things that makes certain whiskeys really special for me because it reminds me of uh, certain memories, certain times I tasted that whiskey or times from my childhood uh, uh, of food that I had. Um, it's a very strong association that, that you can bond with a whiskey or a cigar over things like that. But yeah. it's, it's a, it's creativity and just messing around with. We that. fight that, uh, not fight, but we, we run into this all the time, right, Jordan? Like, uh, you know, you, you might just describe a cigar as having a wet concrete flavor, right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's scotches that have, have an asphalt taste. You don't eat, love them. you don't eat right. wet concrete. And guys right. will say like, Oh, have you ever eaten that before? Like you don't have to have eaten yeah. that before. Yeah. As long as you've, Cigars are mostly right. smell. Like you, you're, as long as you've smelled that, that's you're oh. smelling and tasting at the same time. When I tell people like uh, for a, like some peaty scotches, um, I'll be like, oh, I get like band aids on it, or mm-hmm. like wet asphalt, oh, yeah. or iodine, or like there's this seaweed smell to it, or whatever. Right? People are like, oh, you want to drink that? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just something about it that it sounds weird. Like, oh, I'm drinking this band aid flavor thing, but right. You, you got to do it. And, and everybody has their own personal preferences. There's no right or wrong right. when it comes to this. But. All right. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Eric Jett from Distillery 291 for uh, driving up from Colorado Springs. That was a ton of fun tonight. Hey, Wednesday night, guys. We're back with Flavor Odyssey. Robbie and Randy are starting a new segment, this new segment. We've been doing emerging. Uh, we did emerging uh, cigar brands. We did emerging what all did we do, Jordan? We did emerging, emerging cocktails, emerging, emerging cocktails, beer trends. Beer trends. The next one that we're doing is uh, all. Uh, you'll you'll notice these. Uh, I know Eric, you'll see these in liquor stores all the time. Uh, one of the emerging trends at the liquor store is pre-made cocktails, and some of these are pretty darn good. Like Cutwater does some really good stuff. Uh, these aren't the seven percent uh, crummy tasting uh, pre-made cocktails that you had ten years ago. Some Death of these, and Co. makes one. Some of these some. are really, really good. So we're going to be doing four weeks of uh, pre-made cocktails. Uh, either Robbie or Randy will do a live on Monday to tell you guys what you should buy uh, for Wednesday's episode. And then you can pick the cigar pairing yourself. 
We'll have some fun with that. We will promise we will not do the cucumber gin and tonic. No, no cucumbers. Because that was the, Scotty, nah. that was maybe the episode. Seriously, it was I the most still, famous I'm still episode in of all therapy time. over that one. That was the worst thing I think I've ever drank for an <laughs> we, alcoholic cocktail. We will, not do, we will not do the cucumber gin and tonic. I promise you that. We won't do that. And then uh, next Friday night, uh, we'll have another Smoke Night Live. I'm working on that right now. I can't tell you what it is, but we'll have a ton of fun. Until then, it's Friday night. We're on the dojo. Get your phone out. Go to dojoverse.com. Share what you're smoking. Share what you're drinking. Hopefully, you get some 291. If you don't, you should pick some up. It'll be a ton of fun to hear what you think of it because we had a great time tasting it tonight. Also, do a little uh, hashtag now playing. We like to hear what you're listening to. Eric here, he likes the same music that we do, so that'll be a ton of fun Let's as do well. Some Although you guys, tonight, you guys, guys don't appreciate yeah. Bob Dylan as much as I do. No, that's a sucks. problem. That is true. <laughs> right, we're gonna we're gonna fight after this. Yeah, <laughs> there, 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 could, there could be an arm wrestling. We don't know. <laughs> we we could we could fight it out. But anyways, it was a ton of fun hanging out with Eric tonight, and appreciate all you guys for joining us on YouTube and Facebook. Until next week, remember everybody: never, never smoke alone. alone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>